Welcome to Her Bro, His Sis, a podcast hosted by sibling ministers focused on topics of faith. We are family addressing the family, the body of Christ. Well, here we are less than a month away from our reunion, our annual reunion, I should say. Yes, yes. (laughs) Personally, we get our annual reunion. But uh, for the peeps, they will actually get to uh, unite with us in person for those who will, whosoever will, let them come. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I am really so excited. Um, When are we not excited either way? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, When we do these, honestly. But I really am so excited um, for this topic. We are talking about the book of First Peter. I really wanted to talk about and highlight Peter because he is someone who I have felt has been someone that's an example, not just because he wrote a book, but because we got to see a lot of his life through the Gospels and uh, not just his life, but his uh, shortcomings and his um, outspoken nature and all the things that he you know, learned from, which actually gave him the material to compile his books. And so that's what actually gave me the desire to um, really want to dig into that for, for this month for us. So um, are you connected to Peter at all? Are you like, what excites you about um, doing this book in particular today? Yeah. Um, so I love Peter just because of the simplicity and the, the, like the forwardness of his message. Like he's one of, like, I, I love his writing because like you said, I mean, he's like one of the real ones in terms of like what we've been able to see from, mm-hmm. from our vantage point. And so seeing that, but then seeing how he writes, like he wasn't necessarily defined by those mistakes that he made. I mean, maybe to the naked eye, some people might say, Oh yeah, he was on to die Christ and all that. But like, as far as like for us, like we're able to really just look at, at, his writing and just see an authority and a power and somebody that wasn't just like succumbing to those, those defeats. So um, that's, that's what I love about it. You know, people always want to throw what someone did, you know, well, Peter denied Christ and Peter cut somebody's ear off and Peter did it. Like we always want to talk about what somebody did, but I just love, you know, God's redemptive spirit you know and just how he's still like yeah he did all that and we can say oh yeah we did all that too about whatever it was that we did that who's pointing those things at you and who's holding those things over your head but you know like you said god made him an authority um in his kingdom on earth and in heaven and he made him to a point where like it showed you him going from immaturity in his faith and then coming to be uh, a true mature leader, not just a mature follower of God, not just a mature disciple of God, but a leader of men and other leaders of the gospel as well. So that's what I really appreciate is that, yeah, you know, some of his things were shared and shown through the word, but, you know, he overcame that. And then, you know, you got to see the wisdom which was the lessons that he learned, you know, he actually learned. And that's what we should be doing is, yep, we did that. You know, we're not going to take away or hide from it or shy away. But guess what? We also turned away from those things and we followed after godliness and righteousness and grew and continued to grow. So I just love, you know, how he grew and he didn't let those things keep him at an immature level or let what people said 
because uh, it's not just modern day people saying whatever they're saying about Peter. I'm sure people still in his day were saying whatever they wanted to say about Peter. Right. Um, he continued to walk and live. So let's just jump right in. Um, first, Peter, um, I really want to look at his audience before I even get into the rest of the points. Um, when you look at first Peter chapter one, verse one, he gives you his greeting and then he tells you who he is and who he's writing to. Um, he says that I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of, and then he names the provinces, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Why does that matter? He's saying that he's writing to God's chosen people living as foreigners. They're living as foreigners in a strange land, God's people. So even if you fast forward to modern day, us right now, we are God's people. We are living as foreigners. Um, as the old saints used to say, pilgrims passing through, right? Um, we're supposed to be foreigners in a strange land. Uh, the children of Israel were foreigners as they were um, living among the people of Canaan and all the surrounding um, nations that were there, you know, God puts us around these people. He allows us to be set in these um, in these areas where other nations are and other peoples are, but we are not supposed to adapt to the culture of them. Um, so the reason why I think that's critical to point out is because as we get into it, you want to remember he's talking to God's people so that we don't get caught into living as the people of the land or the people who are not God's people. And so that I really wanted to point out before we even started to get into the, the verses. Um, but starting at six and seven, we can go there. That says, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is more precious than mere gold, which we know is perishable. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So right off the beginning, he's talking to, again, God's chosen people, and he's telling them, be glad because there's joy ahead and it's great joy. Even though for right now, you have to go through a lot of trials for a little bit. So you're going to go through a lot, but these things that you're going to go through are going to show you and prove to you that your faith is genuine. And it's going to prove to the Lord that your faith is genuine because anybody can hear Peter preach. Anybody can hear John preach. Anybody can hear Paul preach and say, yes, that's the truth. Yes, they're speaking with power and yes, they're speaking with authority and yes, 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 all these things. But faith does come by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but it doesn't stop there. <laughs> Hear, receive, obey. Men and brethren, what must we do to be saved now that we've heard and received the information? So the thing that he's trying to tell them right here is that you are God's chosen people and you should be glad because there is joy ahead, but the faith that you have is not fully proven until it goes through some fire. It's really not something that you can hold your hat on until it has held you through your fires, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. 
So that's why when it says, when your faith remains strong through many trials, not just one, <laughs> oh, I passed this test, I'm good. No, you're not. You have to hold that thing for many trials and it will bring you much praise, glory, and honor. And so Peter had to learn that, you know, these are things that Peter isn't just saying just to be a lofty apostle. He's telling you something that he learned for himself, that faith is, everyone's faith is going to be tested by fire. And I'm sure that we can go back to biblical examples and see that they were all so confident that, yes, Lord, I'm going to be there for you. Yes, Lord, I'm going to stand. And yes, Lord, I got your back. <laughs> and the Lord's like, look here. <laughs> um, I'm telling you, brother, dear, beloved friend and follower, you are going to deny me. Um, all of you actually are going to leave me. These are the things that are going to happen. Um, but what I need you to do is I need you to pray, not pray for me, pray for yourselves so that you will stand when the fires come, when these trials hit. And as we saw, they weren't willing or able to do that and they failed, but they did all come back. They did all learn from that situation. So get in there. What do you think so far? Just <laughs> off of that right there. Yeah, um, I'm glad I put a pin in my hand because I was taking notes as you you were speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I love the passage that you you spoke and the version that you said it because there's a few things that I was highlighting. Um, Verse six, you said you must endure. (laughs) Mm. Um, And then it goes down and says, so when your faith remains strong through many trials. Right. So that many trials, what stuck out to me is that endurance like endurance is not a one-time event mm-hmm. like we we think sometimes like okay like i'm gonna just go and i'm gonna just like sweat this thing out and we think like you said we go through that one situation and we think okay it's great like i pass like i'm good to go like you're not really showing endurance within a 30 second situation like right. okay did, did you honor the word in that one situation great okay but we're talking about over a lifetime over a period of time of are you still continuing to to carry and bear the name of christ in mm-hmm. your responses um I was actually talking to my kids about uh, the fruit of the spirit. And we've actually been going, it's kind of funny. We're in Peter today because we actually were going through second Peter one. And what I wanted to do was um, take each and every one of the attributes that you're, it says to add to your, your faith. Yeah. And so we were on the topic of self-control the other day. And I said, you know, when is self-control, I said, when is that an issue? Mm-hmm. It's only, <laughs> it's only when you're in a negative situation. Like, the only time temperance is activated is when the temperature is elevated. So if you're not in an issue, if you're not in a circumstance where it requires you to have to like watch your tone right. or guard your thoughts, self-control does not apply <laughs> you know what I mean? because in a normal situation, like happiness is not, you don't have to be self-controlled when it comes to right. happiness or anything like that. But when it comes to a negative attribute of your character, that's when that comes into play. And so right when we talk about self-control, we talk about the fact that, like you said, in, in verse one, that these were, um, these were exiles. And so the fact that they were already in a situation where they were suffering and they were believers in Christ, yeah. like their whole faith was being tested the entire time. Like as believers, they were daily having to be challenged daily in a situation where they were in the world and having to prove that they were not of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so um, that, that's what I loved about that. Like, how do we respond in hardship? Because so many times we have a conditional faith like we talked about conditional unconditional love a while back but we have a conditional faith in the sense that we'll choose to say okay well in this situation like i'm gonna respond this way and mm-hmm. when it's going good like i'm responding this way and endurance doesn't say 
I get to choose how I respond. That's actually the point of endurance is to see whether or not you're going to continue to respond the same way, <laughs> even when you don't like the circumstances. <laughs> so that, that, that's what I liked about that. So you brought that right to a good head because um, the next verse that I feel like ties in with that is verse 13 when you go down, because how do, how do you allow yourself or um, fortify yourself to be able to endure and hold on to your faith through these challenges? Well, verse 13 tells us, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind. And I love how last month you were like, um, wherefore somebody say, well, wherefore, yeah. <laughs> you know? wherefore gird up the loins of your mind. So in other words, he's saying, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Hmm, <laughs> so what does that mean? Be steadfast, be self-disciplined, spiritually and morally alert. So Peter learned that we are obligated to strengthen our minds and you know, you use that whole thing about um, Second Peter, which again, I always Second Peter one is my PBJ. Yes, and I yes. like PBJ in real life, but <laughs> that's people the that cheese. That's, that's all yes. of it. That's the BLT. That's yes. everything. Right there. The, yeah. Come on now, yes, all of the above. I said and that for you. You know, I ain't getting down on no BLTs. So. <laughs> I know. I'll do the BLT. You do the PBJ. I'm just trying to be all but, things to all men. That's why I said. Amen. <laughs> but really. Second Peter chapter one, we we're not going all the way there, but that's always in my back pocket. Mm -hmm. And um, that's one of the things that Peter urged us to do is to add to your faith virtue. Mm -hmm. So you don't just get faith at one time and that's it. Like you have to add to your faith. All mm -hmm. those things, like you said, are outlined out there. And that's the only way we can stand in hard times. Um, it's easy to do, right? So to speak in good times, but your, your minds have to be girded up in the good times so that when the bad times come, you'll still be able to stand. You cannot run to gird up your loins only when the bad hits, only when the trials hit, because you can't fall back on something that you never strengthened yourself or fortified yourself with at that point. You have to already have it in there to be able to like, let me go back through my file cabinet because it needs to already be here for me to reach back and say, okay, there's no time, you know, yeah. like, no, no I mean, you don't even know what's going to happen, right? Exactly. I mean, you know, you, unless you, I mean, can anticipate a situation and you know, it, it's been a, a situation in the past. Like you can't just wake up and say, okay, in 30 minutes, the situation is about to go down. Like, so you have to be prepared. Exactly. And just, I mean, if you think about just natural life, like, what do you look like if you're not actively even on a physical level, um, working out consistently, whether that's cardio or especially muscle type of work, do you really think that you can address or accomplish certain physical feats if you have not already put in the work beforehand? Exactly. Absolutely not. Like you just can't show up and think it's going down. That's not how the Lord rolls and that's not how life works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what I love about that second Peter passage is because and I know we said we're not going to go there, but <laughs> um, in verse eight in that uh, it says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, yes. um, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse nine, okay. for he who lacks these qualities is blind or short sighted, having yes. forgotten his purification from his former sins. So like you had mentioned earlier, we are pure through our obedience to Christ. Like the fact that we are being tested and we, we pull through that is actually proof of the fruit that is in us. So uh, that's what I love about the connection between the two. And again, same author. So he knew what time it was. But, exactly. Yeah. 
And again, you just walked into the next verse, which is 14. It says, live as obedient children of God. Do not be conformed to the evil desires which governed you in your ignorance before you knew the requirements and transforming, transforming power of the gospel. So we have to be obedient if we're God's children. And what he's saying is we're, we cannot slip back into our old ways of living. And I know like last month when we were in Ephesians, we were talking about putting on the new man and putting off the old man. And, and I had said that whenever we put the old man back on, we're resurrecting ourselves from the dead. You know, that's us going back to satisfy our own desires. And God is saying like, when that was you, you didn't know better back then. That was before when you literally were ignorant of the truth and blind, living in darkness before the glorious gospel, um, the light of God shined into your darkness. But he is telling us that we have to be obedient and we can't be conformed to the evil desires. And again, that stuff is all around us. You know, when you think about us being strangers in the world, like we are in this world and this stuff is all around us everywhere we turn, regardless of where you go, but you still cannot allow it to conform um, you to, you know, transform yourself into the image of what's around you or what those others are doing who are not in the knowledge of God. Those who are choosing to be ignorant, those who want to walk and live in darkness. Um, we can't do that. And so again, when we know better, God demands that we do better yeah. period. And I, and I love that point because that's really like where my heart has been lately is about recognizing that demand. Like I think, and we might've talked about this. I know we've talked about it at some point, whether it was in person or last episode or what have you, but one thing that I think really plagues the church is the lack of understanding that demand <laughs> you know what i mean like and, and taking that as like god's word like i was reading isaiah earlier and like just the, like when you read the old testament and you see like how folks was dying because of a Ooh. lack of of, of obedience <laughs> you know what i'm saying like we don't take that same reverence for the lord today and that's a big deal when it comes to mm -hmm. like living righteously like if we're again like you asked me earlier about like what do i love about peter like just read that sentence again in verse 14. Live as obedient children of God. Like if there was a period right there, like understand the context and the structure of sentences. So this is English. So let, let's go there. Like when you start a verse with a verb, <laughs> like what do you Required put in front of back. it? You have to put a subject. And what is that subject? It's the who you're speaking to. So it would say you. So basically yeah. you live as obedient yes. children of God. So let's when we go to application, let's ask ourselves a question. Are we obedient to Christ or do we desire or strive to be obedient to Christ? I would assume every believer would say, yeah, like whether or not you're at a 10 or you're at a five consciously or subconsciously. But if you're in Christ, you're going to assume that, yeah, I'm, I'm obedient to Christ. I love the Lord. OK, that's your aim. OK. It's a semicolon. So therefore, it says, do not be conformed <laughs> to the evil desires which governed you and your ignorance. Before you knew the requirements and transforming power of the gospel. So another version says, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. And you, you said your old way of life, which mm -hmm. I love. So understand the two things that are connected together. Your old way of life and it's ignorant. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so let's get that out of the way. So if you're saying that you're an obedient child of God, then as an obedient servant, you have to recognize that what you used to be involved in is ignorant. So 
Okay, let's call it what it is. And then secondly, it's former. So have you cast it off? Right. Secondly, or thirdly rather, is it says evil desires. So it's a desire or a passion that is in your heart. So and we talked about delighting in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Where does that delight fall in for you? Like, are you willing to say, I love the Lord? Therefore, you now live obediently because of your desires connected to him and not to something wicked. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to get to that point where we're recognizing that if I'm to be an obedient child, can I evaluate my life and see whether or not I'm in the faith by the fruit that is in mm-hmm. that is in my actions? So I think that's a, a true test. And you, you you talked about it earlier, but that's a true test of, of where we are in our heart because passions and desires stem from our heart. We can go back to James 4, but because that comes from our heart, we have to truly look inside and say, if I love this thing, what is it that is, is that connected to God? And that was in Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Is that connected to the things of God or is that connected to my own evil and selfish desires, which are apart and are ignorant and apart from the wisdom of God? So I think that's a, a true test is what are we conforming ourselves to? Are we modeling the pattern of faith? Or are we modeling the pattern of wickedness and evil? Yeah, that's a great question. And again, you just brought us back right into the next verse because <laughs> um, I really love the passion that you have about holiness and um that's just what the church needs period is a like a refreshed uh passion regenerated passion for holy living because it's it should have never been lost really and um it has diminished you know because evil has waxed worse and worse and people have you know just loved evil more than it good but the next verse literally is verse 15 it says but now somebody say but now but now <laughs> <laughs> um you must be holy in everything you do just as god who chose you is holy why because verse 16 says <laughs> because the scriptures say you must be holy because i am holy <laughs> so it answers its question for you but now Again, God is demanding you must be holy in everything you do. And Peter is saying this as someone who learned that, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but now you must be holy in everything you do, not just when you go to church on Sunday, not having a form of godliness, but denying the power, not just when you do certain godly looking activities in everything you do. And it says in Amplified, be holy in all your conduct. What does that mean? To be set apart from the world by your godly character and moral courage. So let's dig into this a little bit. Holy is not some ethereal concept that we have to be like divine angelic beings on the earth with halos around speaking King James English every day. Okay. What this literally means is what Amplified said, be set apart from the world as a stranger which he said in the beginning we were Mm -hmm. by your character that is godly and your moral courage. So first of all, you cannot be doing things that make you look just like the world. So if I'm doing what you're doing, someone outside can't tell which one of us is of God and which one of us is of the world. That's the first and foremost thing. And you and I know both of both of us know this and have been grieved by the fact that there are too many things that the church has 
now accepted and not just recently, but for a very long time accepted and blended the lines on and all these things that, you know, people accept and justify even with the scriptures as acceptable to God. But when you match it up to the world, it's not a set apart conduct. So if you're drinking and I'm drinking, but I love God and I say I'm holy, how does an outsider know who is the Christian? If mm -hmm. I look like you, if you're smoking and I'm smoking, but I love God and I'm declaring I'm a Christian, how does the world or an outsider know that I'm set apart from the world? If we are both doing the same conduct, if I'm a Christian and I'm cussing folk out or I drop whatever bombs of profanity in regular conversation, when I just let my hair down, when I'm not around the church building and some people feel comfortable enough in the church building to do it too. Um, how does someone know the difference between me and you? That's moral conduct, godly character, but the moral courage is having the courage to be godly in these spaces and places. Mm. What do you yeah. think about that? That's the, that's the, what you said at the end is the point right there because <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you set up like who he was talking to, because like that can't be diminished. Like he's talking to aliens and in, in some uh, versions, but basically he's talking to exiles in a country that are believers. So right. off the top, I think you just said that they're strangers. So off the top, they're already not of the norm. Yes quote unquote sanctified individuals right yes that he's now instructing to not conform so off the top you're already set in a situation where you're going to be required or it would be the normal practice and an accepted practice to act like them but he's yes. basically saying you're appointed in this spot but don't be like that yes like if you think about the old testament and this was a practice in the old testament like when he set something apart he says look like when you go to these towns like don't mingling with their like don't marry I'm their talking. wives like don't yes. do all this because <laughs> because he yes. knew what that was going to turn into like you're you. going to start worshiping right you're going to start worshiping idols you're going to start like getting into their customs and wilding out and doing all this stuff so i'm setting you apart because i'm trying to protect you because i want your love to be for me and because i'm a jealous god so once you start acting a fool and doing the stuff they're doing and and you're accepting and that becomes a practice that you say is okay for the church and yeah. for my people you now have adopted another god and that's idolatry so that's that in the old testament now translate this to, to peter like he's saying dude don't conform like yeah i know you're here i know you're in this town i know there are going to be things that they're doing but that's not you that's so right. because you're an obedient child this is how you're supposed to act i don't care that you're here like you're appointed to be here which means that god is with you and has given you the ability to to endure <laughs> like he's not yeah. telling you something that's not possible like he's saying this is our situation and so how do yeah. we get there like we have to stop looking at our struggles as the end all be all because mm -hmm. when we look at our struggles, it takes our eyes off the savior. So if we can declare that heaven is our home as, as children of God, then we must also realize that our inheritance is found there too. So we can't lose sleep over what doesn't matter. And that's what we do all the time. So think about it like this. Like if I was a millionaire and I lost a $10 bet, I wouldn't be tripping. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so if I understand that heaven is my hope and that there is an eternal weight to that and the fact that God has promised, like he says, like this is a living hope that we have an assurance in Christ. Like mm -hmm. your inheritance is not here. So if you're looking at this little $10 sin over here and you're thinking this is what I need to hang my hat on, then you don't understand the, the weight of your inheritance that's down the road. So 
we have to get to that point. And if you can look there, that's why he said you can rejoice because this little momentary situation that you face in has no weight or no consequence in what you're going to have for the rest of your life and for eternity if you can trust me and walk through this and keep your eyes on me instead of looking at the circumstances that you're faced with. So mm-hmm. that's why I get so passionate because I think too many of us, and, and I've been there, of course, like we look at our situation and that diminishes God. Just like I mean, Peter, again, was there. Like he denied Christ. He was like, yeah, I don't want the lashback. So I didn't know him. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but he got a, a chance at redemption. So we have to be able to look at ourselves and say, okay, God, I've denied you in some, some ways, but am I going to be an obedient child and repent and move forward? Because holiness requires and holiness demands that I be obedient to you. Yeah. And that's a perfect example of, of that moral courage of saying that um, with Peter, finally learning that lesson. Because, you know, one of the things I think about, and we may have to do this in the future of, um, you know, the Old Testament and how many times and how many ways the God's people rejected him because they mm-hmm. wanted everything else that was around what the other people had, what the other people were doing. They wanted a king because other people had kings. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that God told them to leave alone, they wanted because it's almost like they felt like they were missing out on something because these people had this and these people were doing that. But the Lord is our prize. The Lord was their prize. And, you know, they just looked at everything else as if it was just so much better. Um, so we might have to do that in the future, but, um, definitely just to kind of like cap this section of what we're saying is, you know, back to our conduct, Colossians chapter three, which I know you love. Um, it says in verse 17, that whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. And I think that's a a perfect, um, thing to keep in our minds when we're thinking about our conduct, because, you know, if you are someone who's saying that you love the Lord. You know, he's he's not asking you for something that's not possible to do. Obedience is not impossible to do. And living um, godly is not impossible to do. And again, it's a lot easier than what people try to make it seem. Um, but because you don't want to do it, you make it seem like it's such a harsh thing and it's all this and it's all that. But it's really not. It's cut and dry when you really are looking at what the Lord is requiring of you, you know. And that takes us right into the... Chapter two, verse one, you know, wherefore again, so get rid of all evil behavior, be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. We all know what unkind speech is, Mm -hmm. any kind of evil speaking, any kind of hateful speech, like anything that you know flat out is not right. And then how, how do we do that? Verse two, (laughs) it says like newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word so that you may grow thereby. So in other words, he's saying, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment, as New Living says, cry out. So the only way to get rid of evil behavior is not to cut yourself off necessarily and just be like, you know what, I'm putting it over there. Like, yeah, you could try that, but you know, it's an internal thing that will keep you away from it. So what he's saying is how are you, because it says be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. Well, how can you be done with it? You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how is your mind transformed? Well, the sincere milk of the word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You are out here doing what you have to do to get fed. And 
you know, newborn babies, we know how, for those of us that had kids and infants, newborns or been around them, you see how they cry when they want nourishment, when they mm -hmm. want to be fed and how often they want that. Compare that with your spirit, you know, <laughs> like, mm. what are you seeing from that analogy with that? Yeah. Hmm? When, when, you, when you talk about longing, like, for me, like, when I got older, I started to, like, let go of things that I didn't like when I was growing up. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, bologna, spam, yeah. cornflakes, you know what I'm saying? Like, I started getting the sugary sugar cereals, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. all the stuff I couldn't have when I was a kid, like, I stopped saying, you know, I'm not going to eat hot dogs anymore because I don't like them. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> we got to that point. <laughs> but, like, I don't know if we ever understood this. And, and this is why I love the analogies of the word because, like, the word, like, God is so brilliant <laughs> like yeah. it's not just like this is a book like this is a brilliant book that yeah. paints a picture for us to really grasp the illustration that he's really trying mm -hmm. to get across here but like he says like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word so the word long like if you think about it like babies eat the same thing every day and they don't complain about it come on wow. <laughs> you know like, like every day they they eat and drink milk Oh and don't God. say a word about it. Like like you said, like they're crying because they're hungry. And whatever you give them, they're cool with it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And cool eating that for two, three years straight until they're, they're ready to eat regular food. And we can go back to Hebrews 6 and talk about that. We're not going to go there today. But yeah. <laughs> that's what nourished and fed them. Like, And that's how they grew is by drinking milk. Like That was the requirement yeah. is drink the milk. So have we stopped eating what's feeding us? <laughs> like we're at the point now where it's like you know i don't want milk but the the problem is if you don't drink enough milk you can't eat meat that's right. biblically speaking right yeah <laughs> so we, we have to get to the place where we recognize like what you think the day-to-day -day, like okay like i don't want to read the word anymore okay well do you recognize that by not doing that action what that causes spiritually for you so your responsibility is to continue to and again that's why it talks about enduring and showing the purity of your faith is by continuing to put into practice and be reminded of the things that have been declared in the word of God. So it's not just like, okay, read the Bible all the way through once and then yeah. you're a master. Right. No, daily read the word. Like it says long for the pure spiritual work of the word. So what you're longing for spiritually has to be the word of God. And if you're not longing for that, you can't expect to grow because it says by that. So by the Bible, mm -hmm. you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So yeah. if you believe that God has been good, Psalms 34, 8, taste and see the Lord is good. If you have tasted that the Lord is good, you yeah. can't hate his word. Yeah. And call him good. You know what I'm saying? You can't. <laughs> like, that's what it boils down now. to. So we have to, we have to love the word of God. We have to be able to get in it and love it and crave it. Be on the devotion. Like, and if you have an issue with reading the word, Find somebody like, hey, let's just do devotion on you version. Yes. You know like get it, find a way to get it in with somebody else that you feel has a desire or yes. can keep you accountable so that you can begin to have a desire. Because maybe you love fellowship, but you, you you don't like to read. Okay, well, get it in with somebody that can help you stir that. But if you're not pushing towards that and, and the word is not a part of your life, then you're going to really struggle in your walk with Christ. That's I'm going to tell you right now that I just said that this week at church because I was with the teens, the young adult ministry. And um, that was one of the things that was raised in our discussion was about devotions and daily Bible reading and stuff like that. And I said, listen, if any of you guys have the YouVersion Bible app and you want to do a corporate um, devotion together, we can start tomorrow. Exactly. Period. Fourthly. 
I, I mean, I didn't leave no room. And really, two of them accepted my invitation. So right now we're in the midst of a devotion. But you're absolutely right. Like, there is no excuse. And one of the girls said, and she's doing it too, but one of the two, she said, you know, I also have a problem reading. I said, there's no excuse for that either, honey, because nope. guess what? The Bible Audio. app, well, mm -hmm. if you push play, yep. that bad Get boy it. will read it to Get you, it. <laughs> period. <laughs> So there is no excuse yes. for you to not get this word. So nobody's yes. exempt, no matter where you are or what's yes. going on. And I got three different apps that that play audio Bible. And so yes. like, sometimes I'm tired. I have to listen to the one that has like hip hop music behind it, just so it kind of like keeps me a little boosted. I got one that has like solemn like hymns in the background, and I got just the regular one that's just the you know the just the standard um, standard voice. So I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely there's something for everybody. So whatever there your flavor is, like there's there is no excuse. Yeah. And I love, you know, I just, this is the last point I want to reiterate with that too, because when you said that, like, you have to love the word, like you have to, um, you know, basically the opposite of you, um, if you don't crave and love the, the word, then you're basically saying that you don't want to grow because you will not grow into whatever you're supposed to grow into. You will not grow or experience that whole, um, whatever you're supposed to experience from being saved or being a child of God, if you do not, like if you, without the word that there's nothing, essentially, we can just go back to John chapter um, 15, you know, for all that, you know, I'm the vine, you are the branches without me, you can do nothing. So without the word, you could do nothing. Literally, you just cannot. Yeah. So there's no way around it. So is it fair to say that if you don't love the word, you don't love God? Absolutely, because in the beginning was the word. Exactly. Was the word was God. Exactly. What I was gonna go. <laughs> I just want to make sure there was a scripture reference for it. I was going right Come there. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. I was going right there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Come on, twins. Yes. So moving on, <laughs> Peter again. He wants to talk to the strangers. In verse eleven, he says, "Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims." So he reiterates that point, like you just said, um, and. He's calling them, you know, your aliens, your temporary residents. You're, you know, this is not, this might be where you live, but this is not, you know, you have your own bubble, if you will, right? Your kingdom bubble. I'm beseeching you. I'm pleading with you. I'm urging you to abstain from fleshly lusts, the worldly and dishonorable desires that war against the soul. Um, and in uh, 21, verse 21, he says, for God called you to do good. Even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example and you must follow in his steps. So there's two different things here. You have the people that, you know, again, you talked about how they're in exile. So they're already suffering, you know, for their faith. They're suffering for being different, all that type of stuff. But then you have people who, yes, they want to conform to what, you know, the Galatians are doing and the people around them, the cultures and the, you know, the people who are from this area, like I want to fit in um, instead of stand out, like I want to be like you. And God, he said here, God called you to do good, even if it means suffering for, for doing good. Um, and that goes back to that point about having moral courage, because having moral courage is necessary in order to do good when, you know, it's not popular to do good when everybody else around you will persecute you for doing good, will make fun of you for doing good um, when whatever that looks like. But it requires you to have moral courage. But the spirit of God is in us. And when you have that relationship with God, whatever comes along with 
what they might say or do because of you choosing to do good. It doesn't matter because the Bible says who can harm you if you be followers of that which is good? Who can harm you? And you have to already know because he said as Christ suffered for you, you are going to suffer. We have to. That's the only way we're going to reign with him is if we suffer. Um, but he did say that Jesus is our example and we must follow in the steps of Jesus. Um, so what are your thoughts on that part? Yeah, once again, uh, if I could just slow down the passage, um, it says, for God called you. Uh, so uh, first of all, it's a, a calling and a mandate. And then uh, secondly, at the end of it, it says, um, he is your example and you must follow. Yes. Um, so I think sometimes we can kind of read something real quick and not really like recognize like those emphatic uh, words in there but like that's pretty straightforward like and he's already been saying it a few times and i know we we haven't really hit this piece all the way yet but like he keeps telling to be holy in different ways you know yeah. I mean? like, he's already said it like four or five times and and he just keeps saying like this is what we're supposed to do this is who we're supposed to be like you're not here like you said this is not your home this is not this is not who you are like when you go to someone else's house and they get to put their feet on the couch you're a visitor my man you know what i'm saying so like <laughs> we don't do that and so that's what he's trying to get across is like, you're, this is not you. Like we have our own kingdom agenda. Stay in that. Like, regardless of where you're at, like it's cool to be in church and, and, and it's easy to be churchy when you're in church. Right. Like That's it's so right. easy on Sundays. to just like, okay. Like I raise my hands when the song comes on. I, I you know, I, I open my, I bring my Bible to church. I, I, I say the Christian lingo. Right. But then on Monday, it's like, it's oh, a little awkward to do it at work. You know what I'm saying? So like, we know how to condition ourselves in different lo locales to be different. But he's saying, like, I want you to stay who you were on Sunday on Monday, yeah. knowing that you're going to be in that situation. And that's the entire point. Like, I called you for this purpose, not just only for yourself, but there's no other way for people to know me if you're not showing and sharing the good news. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be just like me, there's nothing for you to hang your hat on to say I'm any different and I am a believer because you're not showing the faith and the fruit of a believer by not doing that. And Ephesians 5.1 again says, be imitators of God. So like he said here, he is your example. You must follow in this step. So if we're not imitating God, we're do we have no fruit in the kingdom and we have no, no recourse in which to share and, and extend the kingdom if we're not even going to act like the kingdom, because that is the, that is the primary mode and method of expanding the gospel is by us doing what we do. From Matthew 5.16. So, um, that's kind of what I saw from that is that we have to recognize it's a calling and it, it's imperative that we live out this, this command to be holy. Yeah. And, you know, just jumping forward to chapter three, um, verse eight and nine, I kind of think that that kind of goes along with it too, because, um, he's kind of stacking the way that he is putting out here, like the requirements of our conduct. Right. So like he talks about, um, holy in everything you do, everything you say, all manner of your conduct. So like there's not a piece of how you act that is unsanctified, right? So sometimes you might hear um, church people say, you know, something about putting their Holy Ghost on the back shelf so that they can tell someone off. Hmm. Or, you know, they kind of compartmentalize certain conducts as if as long as we're not here or as long as this holy person isn't present, then these things are acceptable. Or at this time of day, um, this is the Lord's time for me to really live like a Christian. And for the rest of this time of the day, this is when I get to have my time. 
Um, but he's saying in all manner of our conduct. And so in this verse, um, chapter three, eight through nine, he's saying, finally, all of you be like-minded. Do we need to remember who he's talking to? All of you. Mm -hmm. We know who his audience was. Be like-minded, united in spirit, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, courteous, and compassionate toward each other as members of one household and humble in spirit. In verse nine, he says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. And if you recall, you know, last month when we talked about Ephesians, spiritual blessings are invisible. He's not talking about, I'm going to bless you with a car or a million dollars mm -hmm. if you do what God called you to do, <laughs> right? He's saying, I'm going to grant you his blessing, his spiritual blessings he's going to give you. So he is showing other examples of conduct that we are supposed to be holy in. So he's saying when people do evil things to you, you are not supposed to do the same thing back to them. You know, just like in Matthew, you know, it talked about, you have heard it said, Matthew and Luke both said this, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth. If people do this to you, do this back to them, so on and so forth. But I say unto you, this is what Jesus said back. This is what I'm telling you to do. I'm telling you to love your enemies and do good unto them that do evil to you, right? And he's telling you, this is what they say. This is what is being said, but this is what I'm telling you mm -hmm. to do. Yeah. And so um, we as children of God, as God's chosen people are not allowed to retaliate with insults when people insult you. You have to let that stuff roll. If anything, you can pray for them. Um, you can walk away. There are other things that are acceptable, but you are not allowed to retaliate with evil or insults. Um, and he said, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do. So um, what what's your thoughts about just even that, just kind of like digging in a little bit more, you know, as he's layering these kind of conduct, um, you know, like requirements, you know, like he's already said it multiple times, like, all your evil behavior, all of your speech, everything you're doing. Like what, why do you think he's really like hitting this again? Cause he's saying finally. <laughs> yeah. So um, it, it kind of, I mean, I, I take this section a little bit back to even chapter two. Mm -hmm. um, I think in answer to the question, um, I'll just use verse 15. And I'll use the Bible as kind of my, my answer. Um, it says um, by doing so, it says for such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's easy that if we flip flop in, in our testimony, if you will, if we're kind in certain circumstances, unkind in others, like that's a, a false testimony. Um, but I think there's a fruit in submission, like if, because suffering, like, again, and I don't want to belabor this point, but these are exiles. So he's really hammering this point of our relationships. And in chapter two, he's talking about, you know, submitting to authority, submitting to our masters. Um, all of that. Um, and then when he gets into to chapter three, um, he gets into, you know, our relationships like with husband and wife, all of that. But I say all that to say that our suffering for righteousness shouldn't change our conduct. Because mm -hmm. when he talks about how they were supposed to be submissive, um, even in the midst of their hardship and persecution, and all of that, when he gets to the husband and wife situation, he says, likewise. So it's not just about, and I don't want to get into marriage necessarily, but like, it's not just that he's talking and just giving instructions to you as a married couple, like, hey, if you're married, do this. But he's saying likewise, which means 
in these relationships, this is what I ask you to do. And in the same manner, I want you to do it in your, your marriage. And so he's speaking to um, husbands and wives. And so I'm, I only want to point out when I get to this point, um, the fruit of them doing that, because I already mentioned um, 2.15. But when he talks to wives in, in 3.1, it says, you know, wives be submissive. Um, it says so that, and again, I, I love that. I'm going to write a book on so that because I think that's like just the greatest Mm -hmm. message because it it, it really speaks to our application of the word. Mm -hmm. But basically he's saying be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives. So again, you asked about the conduct, like by you maintaining your conduct and not repaying evil for evil, you now get to show fruit that allows the spirit to then creep into that relationship and Mm -hmm. win them over. Right. Uh, And then verse seven you husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. So there's a reason to why we're supposed to be righteous. <laughs> so it's not just like, Hey, be righteous because I just want you to be righteous, but understanding the fruit of what that righteousness brings. Like as a husband, if you're not willing to be understanding, I'm not, I'm not hearing you says the Lord, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like wives, like if your husband doesn't know me and by you doing your part and just continuing to be good and be consistent, like you can win them over. So mm-hmm. that's the fruit of it. It's not just saying like, oh, well, I wasn't, I didn't really care for that person. So like, I'm gonna just be who I, who I want to be and just act a fool towards them. Well, guess what? You're now not allowing the Lord to really penetrate that situation because now you're not showing them what a true believer looks like. So, um, that's kind of where I was taking that is that I think there's a fruit in us understanding that our relationships and our suffering, even when it's, it's hard, that again, it's a fruit of submission. So go back to Galatians five and, and look at what are those fruits. And so if we're able to be responsive in those avenues, if we can practice those nine things in every relationship, mm-hmm. we can see the, the spirit intervene in ways that we couldn't naturally, if we were to take it on in our own, um, on our own volition. Yeah. Yeah, and I like verse 15, uh, just to kind of cap it off. Um, and I think a lot of people usually use this this verse out of context in a sense. I mean, they're, they're saying it right, but I don't think they're giving the full picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you always hear people say, like, always be ready to make a defense to the to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Right. Uh, like, I think people say that all the time, like, yeah, like, you know, be ready to, like, talk about your faith. Yes, in some respects, like, that's what it's saying. Mm-hmm. But the beginning of that passage says, but, so you then have to go back to what he said in 14, which you, you know, eloquently stated and then in 17. So that's kind of in the middle of both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're making a defense in the midst of a, of a circumstance, because in verse 14, it says, do not fear their intimidation or their threats. Right. So the fact that in that, instead of retaliating, it says worship Christ and then be ready to give a defense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So right. in essence, what you're giving a defense for is, is the hope, which again was what he was talking about earlier on in, in chapter one is like, we have a living hope in Christ Jesus. So yes, even though you're suffering, like we're not looking at hardship, we're looking at hope. You know, the, the Bible says, you know, in this world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So instead of looking at your situation, like proclaim the treasure of Christ, like look at Christ Jesus. So if we can get our, again, get our eyes off of the circumstances, then we can see the creator. And so I think that that's the, the, the beautiful thing about that passage is because he says for the hope that is in you. So if that is in you, it doesn't matter what's, what's going on outside of you, because as long as you can keep that inside, 
that's what really matters. And that's the, it's where the eternal weight is, is by what you, you hold on to. And so that's why I love Hebrews 10 so much is because it says, hold fast to the hope that is in you. Um, and so if we can hang on to that and keep our eyes on that, that's what allows us to endure when we get in these situations. Mm-hmm. So I love how, you know, his, basically the overarching theme of his entire book is suffering. He literally mentions suffering 15 times in this book. And he vacillates between Jesus suffering for us and then the suffering that we will face and should endure for the sake of the Lord. So, you know, just again, just being willing to suffer something for Jesus because he suffered willingly for us. Um, But then he kind of goes in again um, in chapter four. He says, therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh and died for us, arm yourselves like warriors with the same purpose, the same mind, the same attitude, being willing to suffer for doing what is right and pleasing God, because whoever has suffered in the flesh, being like-minded with Christ is done with intentional sin, having stopped pleasing the world so that he can no longer spend the rest of his natural life living for human appetites and desires, but lives for the will and the purpose of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. And Amplified, it says, living unrestrained as you have done in a course of shameless sensuality, lust, and drunkenness. And then just to add verse four real quick, it says, in connection with all this, they, the unbelievers, your former friends, are resentful and surprised that you do not think like them, value their values and run hand in hand with them into the same excesses of dissipation and destructive things, immoral freedom, that, and they criticize, slander and abuse and ridicule, ridicule and make fun of your values. So that's a power-packed passage section there. Um, But I just want to kind of pull a few things out and I'll let you go with the rest of it. Um, So like I said before, you know, he's putting out there that because Jesus suffered for us while he was in the flesh and died, okay? Like he didn't just suffer and then just, oh, okay. He suffered and died. So he suffered in death. He suffered in his death as well. Um, His manner of death was a suffering type of death. Um, He's saying for us to arm ourselves with the same mind. And if you kind of go back to the beginning where he says, gird up the loins of your mind and prepare yourself for action. That's the same kind of idea that we should have. Like we should be arming ourselves. How? By girding up the loins of our minds with the same purpose, the same step, being willing to suffer for doing what's right. So that means that we should be willing to adopt moral courage and lean on God to give us that confidence when it might be scary to be courageous in um, certain moments. You know, being courageous is not always easy, but we can do it because God has said that to us from the Old Testament until, you know, how many times did he say it, you know, uh, in Joshua, be strong and be of good courage, you know. That's what he wants us to do. And the only way we have that is through him and by his spirit. But then he just reiterates to us that whoever is suffered, whoever has suffered in the flesh, being like-minded with the Lord is done. They have made a decision in their mind to be done with intentional sin. Okay. 
because they have decided to stop pleasing the world and that they have decided that they will no longer spend the rest of their natural life on earth living for their human desires and appetites, but they are endeavoring to live for the will and the purpose of God. And then he said, like, you had enough time in the past doing anything you want to do that godless people enjoy. And you have to think of that. If you enjoy those same things, then you are godless too, because look at that word, less of God. So if you had less of God in your life or zero God in your life, then yes, you could enjoy whatever your heart desired. Immorality, lust, drinking, crazy parties, idol worship, like you had mentioned earlier, just straight up being unrestrained and unrestrained is exactly what you said, not being willing to submit, you know, it's about submission. So in verse one, um, how it says that Christ suffered in the flesh and died. So I underline that and died uh, mm-hmm. piece. Um, and again, the, the passage for us has been talking a lot about suffering and, and how we're supposed to respond in suffering. Um, but then it goes on and it says, uh, arm yourselves with the same purpose or the same mind. So I guess I would ask the question, are we willing to die? Mm. Because this whole time has been talking about suffering, but in the sense of, of the fact that we're to be like Christ, it says that Christ suffered and in his suffering, he actually died. Um, Mm. Going down um, when you said that, um, that whoever has suffered in the flesh being like-minded with Christ is done with intentional sin, having stopped pleasing the world. Um, immediately Colossians 3, 3 came to me, which is for you have died and mm. your life is hidden in him. So <laughs> the second question would be, well, for, first question is, are you willing to die? The second question would be, are you willing to say to yourself, you're dead to me? Mm. Because until those two things happen, your suffering is in vain because you're not going to be able to suffer and still submit to Christ because you're still alive to the world. So mm-hmm. if you can't die, suffer and die, then you'll never have the mindset that Christ wants you to have, which is to rejoice in suffering. Um, I'm just going to jump back to, to chapter one real quick. Um, three things took place um, that kind of stuck out to me. So uh, basically to say past, present, future. So in the past, um, in, in verses three through five, Christ resurrected. Um, so it talks about the resurrection. So that's that's Jesus. Um in verse 7 and 8, it talks about the revelation that is to come, which is his second coming. So that's Jesus again. But tucked in the middle of that, so you have a, res- a resurrection and a revelation. So in the middle of that is the present. And in the present, it says in verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Mm-hmm. So in between the resurrection and the revelation is the present and our requirement for us, because obviously Jesus is, is, is in heaven and he's mm-hmm. preparing a place for us. And that's his role now for us. Our response to the resurrection and the revelation in the present is to rejoice. Mm-hmm. So you have three R's. So you have the resurrection in the past wow. that prepares us for the present, which we should rejoice because in the future, there's a revelation and which gives us a hope to continue. So we are, are commanded to rejoice in a situation that may seem extremely hard for us. But there's a, a Christ that went before us and gave us, like you said, that example that we can follow, that we should be able to smile and say, if you were able to do it and you're the one I follow, then I should be confident in the fact that you've gifted me with the grace and the Holy Spirit to be able to do exactly what you did for me. 
So are we willing to suffer and die for him as he suffered and died for us? Wow. You know, <laughs> you know what that makes me think about is Hebrews 12. And you know, that was my stuff like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Still love it. But what, you know, what did that passage say for for the joy, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, mm. what did he do? Endured he the endured the cross and he despised the shame. Why? Because of the joy that was set before him, which was what? Us. Mm. So for the joy that's set before us, which Peter laid out already in the very beginning, he already said, there's wonderful joy ahead. So be truly glad, even though you have to endure right now. We have a joy ahead, but that's why we have to look unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our mm. faith. So mm. this is just getting me keep, so excited. Keep, dude, keep going. Gotta read, you got to read three. You got to read three. Come on, read three. <laughs> I just quoted that off the head. I'm just okay, saying. I'm, I'm going to give you three then. So it says, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that, I'm going to just stop right there. Come on, so, so that. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Oh, my goodness. So if we can just look at him and he was joyful, basically stretching his arms out wide to die. Why can't we stop looking at these temporal pleasures and intentional sin and say, God, you gave so much for me that I have to be willing to put this down and live for you. Like it has to come to that point. And again, it, it be holy as I am holy. Like God separated and is that word itself is to be set apart and to be sanctified. So the fact that God is saying, I am holy, I am set apart, I am sanctified. I'm asking you to do that same thing. There's some things you have to lay down and that's just off the top. So you have to get to the place where your heart says, I can do that. So can I just say one thing that I feel like keeps coming up, but it, it started from the beginning and it's saying it now. And even in that, you know, Hebrews thing, the mind is where all of this is won and lost. Because in the beginning, he said that we are to gird up the loins of our mind, prepare our minds for action. Um, You know, all the things that he's talking about in the rest of it, ignorance is where? In the mind. Be holy in your conduct, which is all in the mind, you know, originated there. Your behavior, um, behavior, uh, your speech. And then in chapter three, he talked about being like-minded, okay? Mm all those things. And so in Hebrews, if you go back to the KJV, the verse that you just said, when you say um, the three, the the third verse, he said, unless you be wearied and faint in your minds. Mm. And what does Galatians say about weary, not in well-doing, right? Because you'll weep, you, you will reap if you faint not. Mm. So you cannot get tired of doing good just because you don't see something when you think you should see it. He said, you will reap if you faint not. And a lot of times we go faint in our mind because we're worn down by the things that are going on, these trials, these sufferings. And like you said, it's easy when things are going good, but that's not where our faith is really established and fortified and proven. Our faith is established and fortified and proven when we go through the fire. And um, we have to strengthen our minds we have to be transformed and be renewed in the mind that is where all of this comes from and so even when you look on a natural level 
how many things are targeted at our minds, how many people, especially in church, suffer with mental health and mind battles and struggles in the mind. And so if we would surrender and submit to this word, a lot of that would be completely demolished because mm. he says in Corinthians chapter 10, three through five, that it's not the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then it says that, that we, let me go down to it because I just want to say exactly how it's supposed to be said, because this is so powerful. Mm. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So that in itself summarizes pretty much everything that Peter's trying to say. He's talking about how we're supposed to be obedient children of God. But then, you know, this is our challenge that we are supposed to understand that though we're walking in the flesh, that we're not going through war at in the flesh. And so even when we're suffering and we're having these challenges with even natural people, it's still a spiritual attack. It's still a spiritual thing. So, you know, demons are at, at work in those individuals that are coming at us and things of that nature. Um, but it's not a physical war that you can wage with a spiritual situation. So you cannot use physical things to wage a spiritual war or to, to combat or to even be on a defense in a, in a spiritual war. And so he's saying that we are supposed to cast down every imagination and everything that will exalt itself against the knowledge of God. It is our job to bring captive and under arrest anything that um, disobeys the Lord. Hmm. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, I actually was moved to uh, Corinthians as well uh, and was just going to jump on 1013, First um, Corinthians, and it says, No temptation um, mm. has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. Uh, mm -hmm. Like when you said that part about, uh, you know, we wouldn't have most of the struggles that we have uh, if we could submit to the word. Right. Most people that are in their struggles always have a Job like mentality where it's like, oh, like I'm like, what was me? Like all these things happened to me and, and I'm like, nobody knows what I'm going through. And that passage right there says no temptation. <laughs> so that's that kind of summarizes everything <laughs> mm -hmm. has overtaken you. But such that is common to man. So mm -hmm. I'm a man. You're a man and, and mankind sense. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think that kind of summarizes the fact that we all can rely on the word and the fact that you ain't special. <laughs> right. And there's so, nothing new under the sun. Yes. So, I mean, we, we have to be able to get to that point. And that's what I love about, like, kind of ending this this Peter um, passage. Because in chapter 5, um, verse 10, he says, After you have suffered for a little while, mm -hmm. the God of all grace, yes, who Lord. called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Mm. Like, if we can just look at him, like we can go in the Psalms, we can go in Proverbs, we can go in almost every book you look at because the, the entire Bible is, is hinged at us looking to Christ, the savior mm -hmm. of the world. Um, in, in the old Testament, it's everybody looking forward to the Messiah. So he's promised, he's prophesied about, and in the new Testament, he's here and he's um, relaying 
the message. So if everything points to him, then when we're looking at the word, we should be able to see Christ in it. So when he's saying to us, like, keep your eyes on me, when you're reading the word, you're actually sanctifying yourself by looking at him every time you open the passage, if you can see him. So I'll shut up after this, because this is all I got. And I'm basically (laughs) just going to let the word speak. (laughs) But that, so that was verse 10. So I just want to read six through nine. And it says, therefore, and another passage that mm-hmm. people kind of use that, again, keep it in context of the suffering and, and mm-hmm. all that we're talking about. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. So, yeah, your situation might not be the greatest. You might not like your 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 quality of life at this particular moment. But your responsibility is to be humble and be Christ-like that he may exalt you at the proper time. So not when you want it to be, but. At his time, casting all your anxiety on him. So if you're in a situation, just release it to the Lord because he cares. So he hasn't forgotten you just because you're still in your situation and you think it's been too long. Then verse eight, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Why is that connected next to this? We'll talk about this in a second. But resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. So, again, that's at 1013 in Corinthians. Mm-hmm. You're not special. He's helping you understand that your suffering has already been accomplished by others. And so stand firm because he will take care of you just like he took care of them. Yes. So if you can maintain your spirit, like you were talking about the mind, if you can keep your mind in check. Mm-hmm. you're actually resisting the enemy by doing so. Because if you let your mind be defeated, you're destroyed and your faith is of, of no substance when you get to the point where you're actually trying to get out of your circumstance because you're going to focus on the problem and it will be so insurmountable that you'll have nothing and you will have grieved the spirit to really help you get out of the situation until you repent and turn back to him. I'm going to shut up. I mean, you could have kept going. <laughs> um, that right there is just like the perfect note to to end this on because um you know you said basically everything i wanted to say in that whole chapter five everything that i love is encapsulated in eight through ten um so i don't even want to touch what you said i just don't because i know we'll be here until next sunday But I do want to I do want to leave um, some final thoughts. Peter left us a piece of himself and he was given a piece of Jesus. Like the Lord left a piece of himself with him in order for him to pass it down to us. And so the four things that I feel like um, we should take away from this is number one, listen well. Number two, listen often. Number three, log it. Leave yourself a record. And number four, live it and apply it. Mm -hmm. So one, Peter proved that he listened well because we obviously see what he learned, what he heard by what he wrote and shared with us. Listen often, Jesus was on the earth with him in ministry for three and a half years and he clearly was with them often. Peter was part of the inner circle so he got to listen often as often as Jesus had him around. Um, and often also helps with repetition three log it. He left a record. Um, he left the record, a written record. Um, but you could leave an audible one fast forward now in these uh, generations, but he left a record of events and what was said and imparted to him so that we could have something to look back to something that will strengthen us, something we can stand on. And finally he lived it. 
So yes, we did see him go through some growing pains and yes, he did have some errors and some falls. However, he picked himself up and he applied the truth and he applied the words that he was hearing and receiving. So he did uh, become an obedient son of God. So those are my kind of final thoughts. Is there anything that you think about those things or is there anything different that you would like to offer? I'm going to be like Revelation 30. I'm not adding anything to the word. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to let that breathe. (laughs) Amen. Oh, gosh. This was such a delight. It's always a delight for my heart to to do this and share this time with you. And um, I am just excited even the more. I feel like this will be the most excited I am in 2022 Hmm. that by the time we do this, I will see you uh, next month. The next time we do one of these, I will be in person with you. So that is what I am really just thanking God in advance for. And uh, if the Lord tarries, (laughs) um, I shall see you in less than a month. So I am looking forward to that. Absolutely. Dear Lord, thank you so much for just who you are, what you are to us, and just giving us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of your word. Thank you so much for just this opportunity to go through this book and to glean from this topic of strengthening ourselves for suffering, for future suffering, for current suffering, um, and to lean on you um, for endurance. You are the source of our strength and you are everything that we need that will give us the joy, that will give us the courage, that will give us the confidence to do everything that we're supposed to do to represent you well, to live godly in a manner that pleases you. Father, you said that it is your spirit that works in us to give us the desire and the ability to do, to perform, to execute your will and your good pleasure. So I'm asking you right now, God, that as many as will gladly receive your word and hear this message today, that they will be empowered by your spirit, that they will be strengthened in their inner man, that they will be stirred in their heart, that they will turn away from anything that would um, take their sights off of you, that would distract them, that would cause their mind to be cluttered or confused or just anything that would compete with your word being able to bear fruit in their lives. We just ask you, Lord, that you will help us, Lord, to grow in you. For those of us that are seeking you and those of us that need to um, desire the sincere milk of the word, Lord, help us, Lord, feed us, and then help us to continue to desire you even the more. And you said that if we come to you and we drink from you, that we will never thirst because you are a well that never runs dry. You just continue to spring up and spring up and spring up. And we can always receive nourishment from you as often as we come. So we love you, God. And we pray that, as Peter said, that we will not be unfruitful um, in our knowledge of you, Lord. Help us to bear fruit. Um, good fruit for you, Lord God, and fruit that will remain. Let it be ever abounding in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Her Bro, His Sis. Catch your favorite siblings each month as we talk to you, our family in Christ. Want to chat or just stay in the know? Catch us on Facebook and Instagram at Her Bro, His Sis. (laughs) 